Hello, Pudding people, and welcome to yet another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I am your co-host, Richard Geiger. Across from me is another co-host. That's two co-hosts. Two hosts? Two For the co-hosts. price of one. Mr. Ken Seymour. Oh, hello! Today, we have... What I'd like to call maybe one of our fan favorite types of episodes. Um, we have a lot of things that we have done in the past where we've talked about what are our favorite things. And this is another episode of our favorite things. Today we've got a, a pretty simple list, but one that's fun to talk to, uh, talk to you guys about, talk to each other about, and that is our top 10 comedies. So what's a what's a comedy? Well, it's where everybody dies at the end. Wait, that's a tragedy. Right, mm. right, right, right. I don't... Everything's a tragedy nowadays. Mm. So everybody thinks of a, of a traditional comedy as you go in and you laugh and you giggle and stuff like that, and there's slapstick stuff, and that's a comedy. But I think what we're going to judge more on from a comedy standpoint is more broad-ranging comedy are we going to i'm assuming include dark comedies and anything that makes you laugh and it's a primary purpose of the film that's kind of where i was coming at it from because you've got things like uh, it's a mad 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 world one of the, my father's favorite films where it's just kind of ridiculous situations and slapstick humor and everything is a joke all the way from the beginning to the end of the film sure that's a comedy but there are other things that are kind of both drama and comedy, or uh, maybe even closer to action. I mean, some people would consider Deadpool a comedy Mm -hmm. to a certain extent, and I I couldn't argue with that. So my only criteria when I was looking at this top 10 is, does it have comedy as a primary focus? Does it make me laugh? And would I watch it over and over again? Mm, I like those. I'll throw in that you know a lot of the words or the scenes, the words in the scenes, almost verbatim. Yeah, quotability. When you watch it, you can kind of spout off those things because they're funny and they're just repeatable. Absolutely. So since you started things off, continue starting things off. Okay, I'll start with number 10. Now this one kind of delves on the edge exactly of what we've been just describing of what a true comedy is. And I actually had to look on some lists to kind of validate myself mm. that, like, hey, people do qualify this movie as a comedy because I think it's funny, it's quotable, and I love watching the thing over and over again. So my number 10, uh, my number 10 movie is Army of Darkness. That's a good choice. That's a good choice. I, I just think that that movie, and, and maybe its main focus wasn't meant to be funny. Maybe it was. It doesn't take itself seriously. No. And I think that's what makes it funny. And Bruce Campbell, of course, is just a god among men. And he is a fantastic, fantastic and, gentleman. And, and and the first the first couple movies, Evil Dead, Evil Dead Two or, or uh, good movies, try to be more of a serious movie i do believe but they took the first one did the first one did and then it evolved in the second one and they took those things from the second one and just 
blew it up, I think, yeah. in this movie. Yeah, they really amped it up. I mean, I still like the second film better than I like the third film. The whole shtick in the house where he's chasing his hand around, that's fantastic. That's yeah. one of the funniest things I've seen in any film. Though, like you were saying, it's while there is comedy in the second one, it's not as prevalent. So you couldn't really call the second one a comedy, even stretching, I don't think. Yeah. But the third one, I could see that being comedy. Uh, uh, the number of speeches that Ash gives a large group of uh, peasants and and people living in a time mm-hmm. before shotguns and cars and and the ridiculousness of the stop motion animation of the skeletons and the undead and that whole sword fight and it's. It's super cheesy fun, and uh, it was. It's yeah, that's a good choice. Yeah, and just like all all the little one liners, just gets me every time I watch that movie. Um, of course, he's had um, kind of a relived version of himself lately on um, Stars with that series, and that's that. that that's that, a shame that it didn't oh get picked God. up again. That that just amped up everything like. A thousand percent. Yeah. That's awesome. That that, sh- that show was so good. So good. So good. Okay. Anyway, so that was my number ten. What do you got? That's a good. I'm going to go a little bit older. I mean, Army of Darkness, not a new film by any stretch. Um, but I'm going to go back back to something that was kind of a formative thing for me in terms of what what I think is funny. Um, for my number ten, I've got to go with A Night at the Opera. Marx Brothers. Hmm. Now, for some of you uh, younger individuals, there was a time when movies did not come in color. <laughs> we had to watch them in black and white. And I say we like it happened in my lifespan, which it really didn't. No. But I was brought up on some of the older things, uh, Abbott and Costello and um, and uh, the the Marx Brothers were, were prime in there. Uh, and a lot of people like Duck Soup a little bit better, but A Night at the Opera, if you've never seen it, the whole concept is kind of ridiculous. And if it's not apparent, as we've already started talking about movies, there will be spoilers. If you haven't seen it by now, you may want to pause, watch the movie, and come back. But So the whole concept of trying to sneak onto a, a boat so that they can help their friend uh, get a part singing at, uh, uh, if I remember correctly, a, a theater group that does opera. So, not at the opera, hence the name. Uh, lends itself to some very silly concepts. There's there's an iconic scene in the film where they are all in this very small room. And they've decided they're hungry. They're going to order some food, room service, to the room. And... They just order entirely too much food for everything. And they've got this giant trunk case in the room that takes most of the space in the room. And as a matter of course, well, they've already ordered their food, which means they're going to get company. 
So there's going to be somebody else that wants to come talk to him. Oh, we've come to turn down the beds. Okay, yeah, go ahead and come on and turn down the beds. Oh, we're here to fix the uh, ventilation. Yeah, go ahead, come in here and fix the ventilation. They get like 60, 70 people in this room <laughs> on top of all the food and multiple trays and everything spills out into the hallway. You know, that kind of silliness. And it is it is so fantastic. But you've got that on one side and then you've got the the wordplay on the other where at one point they're trying to debate the contract for the the opera singer that they want to have hired and so you've got both of them with sets of contracts going out you like this clause the the party of the first part does this and the party of the second part no let's remove that part you know what's this that's the sanity clause oh i don't believe in the sanity clause it's fantastic Hmm. i can say i've never seen that movie now i'm a little stuffy and stuck in my ways my list will kind of show my genre of movies are stuck in a small window, well, smallish window, and they're all to an extent the same type of humor, kind of toilety, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I haven't seen that one. I am familiar with the Marx Brothers. Yeah. I I know I know them. I have not seen that one. Now, once you go back to 1935, it gets you lose a lot of people. I imagine so, but then there's a lot of folks that would appreciate it, though. Well, what's your number nine, Richard? Okay, number nine. Um, Now, this one's kind of got a little asterisk. I've looked up that word before because I thought it was asterisk. No. But it's asterisk. That is correct. Okay. Away from English. Okay. Uh, I've got on my number nine the original Austin Powers movie. My asterisk is that the family of the movies is actually pretty fun to watch. Yeah, they yeah. they crack me up. Now I I can some of this type of humor may be ridiculous to some and it may be silly to other but like this this is the era of comedy especially in a Saturday night live setup type of thing. This isn't Saturday night live but like that cast of people when I was growing up Mike Myers was in that group of people, you know. Uh, that was the the humor group with you know Adam Sandler and it, like it evolved in that five ten year window and I watched a lot of that. Yeah. So watching a movie like Austin Powers to me was just like a no brainer. When I saw it, I, I can I can remember where I saw it. It was at it was in my hometown. We went with I went with some friends. It was a theater that seats like fifty people, seventy five people, and. I just couldn't stop cracking up. It was so funny. Like the funniest scene was when he's in the tunnel and he's got like the little extended golf cart <laughs> and he gets trapped going, you know, perpendicular to the thing. I don't know. We were just cracking up so hard on that. But that, I mean, that movie is at this point, it's kind of old. Yeah. It's been around a while. And the second one and the third one, of course, were really good. But that first one just kind of holds a little little special spot in my heart. Oh, well, definitely. That's That almost, I considered it for my list because I really do like that film as well. And Mike Myers is comedic gold in so many things. Uh, I also considered Shrek for this list for the kind of the same reason. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I've got great memories of that. that I have a huge soft spot a huge soft spot in my heart for James Bond and that kind of spy thing and having something parody it so well mm-hmm. uh, and such an obvious, obviously loving send up to it uh, is, is fantastic. And, you know, I do have uh, also a soft spot for a 
an actor that will play multiple parts in the same film so long as it is done well. Uh, it is not often done well, yeah. but it was in Austin Powers. Um, yeah, it's that's that's solid. Plus Elizabeth Hurley, oh, such a crush when I was younger. Yeah, I, like the whole the whole cast, I think fits in well, and you oh, got yeah. a little a little hint of Will Ferrell in there too. So um, the whole Mike Myers to me, like it, like I said, a lot of times people. I think even today, a lot of people don't appreciate, like, don't like his humor. Um, I don't get it. I like it. Like one of the, one of his worst reviewed movies that people just hate is the Love Guru. Yes, because it's terrible. <laughs> like to me, like that movie cracked me up. Uh, that was a funny movie to me. It's I'm nowhere. Not... It's nowhere near my list. I was also going to mention. Um, so I married an axe murderer. That one was better than people gave it credit for, but still not great. Correct, uh, but it had some. Some entertaining spots. It definitely did. All right. Well, in the slapstick kind of mentality, hmm. we'll go on to my number nine. Um, this is considered a, a, a kind of a classic comedy bit to a lot of people, though to a certain extent up until maybe maybe the 2000s, you kind of had to be a subset in a way of geek to, to really find it funny because of what it was based on. That would be Mel Brooks's Spaceballs, mm. which came out in 1987, and it's making me feel so old thinking about that. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, that's that one. That one's a, an, I think, an all-time classic. Like, I, I got to imagine that most folks know of that movie. If they even if they haven't watched it, they know of that movie just because there's so many. Everybody loves Star Wars to an extent. Most everybody loves Star Wars. And that's a slight play on Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Well. Uh, well, more than a slight. But. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a pretty heavy play on Star Wars. I mean, and But the cast that they got for that film, I mean, Mel Brooks on his own is funny, but you got Rick Moranis in it, who is a gem in pretty much anything he's ever been. We both love Strange Brew and Ghostbusters mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, you know that. But, you know, John Candy, who was just a one of those rare geniuses of comedy, just not only funny, but relatable. And that's so important in a movie like Spaceballs. Most people completely overlook that because, oh, it's just for yucks. No, when everybody's doing the yucks, you have to have that emotional anchor, even if it's small. And as as goofy as it is, you got that in Barf. Hmm. I apologize if I sicken anybody, but that's the character's that's name. Thing. Uh, Bill Pullman, I mean, before Independence Day. I'm pretty sure that was before Independence oh, Day. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dick Van Patten, who was very funny. Joan Rivers voicing the uh, robot. The robot. Even our, I'm going to say our good friend, Stephen Tobolowsky, was in it. I mean, you know, I, I would like to think of him as a good friend. I'll, I'll accept mild acquaintance, but somebody we've spoken to. Yes, Listen to our interview. That's available right. now. <laughs> but that that entire thing, the 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 Schwartz, hmm. the, the 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 their version of the the uh, lightsaber battle, um, learning learning the Schwartz uh, with uh, their version of uh, Yoda, who is just a master of merchandising. We'll tell you all about the toys and the dolls and the cereal. <laughs> 
It was just a, <laughs> it's just a funny movie, right? And, and for the era that it's in, there's a lot of other good movies that are in that era too. But that one, that one, and maybe Ghostbusters, I think it kind of sticks out from that era pretty well. And what scene, when you think of Spaceballs, do you think of first? Um, gosh, there's a couple of them. Uh, probably, uh, I see that your Schwartz is as big as mine. That's a lot of people's first. Uh, the the one where they um, are going into, into light speed to, to trace them down, but then they have to stop. <laughs> um, gosh, the, the, oh, the, the one guy who is in all the Police Academy movies doing some of the, his, more of his... More of his uh, uh, voice work. Yes. Yeah. There's so many. I don't know. The one I always think of is where they're trying to find the Rebels. Like, well, let's watch Spaceballs the movie. What's going on? Is that now? No, that was then. This is now. This is now? No, that was now then. Yeah. <laughs> Just going through the whole thing. That, to me, that, that hits the perfect spot of my funny bone in wordplay and ridiculous situations. Fantastic. Yeah, that, that's a really good movie. Not on my list. Considered deep in the files for it. That like that one in um, Ghostbusters. Because I feel like they are not the same, but have no. a similar vibe to them. I also considered Ghostbusters, and it also did not make my list. Yeah. Okay, so now we're on to uh, number eight. Um, now, this one's on my list because I wrote it down, and then I wrote it down again. So it actually appeared on my list twice. Um because he so, likes it that much. <laughs> a movie so nice, I listed it twice. Uh, Office Space. Yeah, another one I considered. I really... It it kind of... It, it, it kind of just hit for me, I feel like. Um, not that I was ever in one of those corporate settings in work, but I was. I, I, I wasn't in an office, but I had that corporate quote, responsibility <laughs> that I could totally relate to in terms of a lot of the things that went on with this movie. And I even worked at a place where I legit 100% had a TPS report. So, <laughs> and that is exactly what it was called. So I, I, I could absolutely relate to this whole movie. And then like the cast that's in it, um, I think you get a lot of people in this movie that may not hit the main title let's call it on their movies but you see and you recognize a lot of these people and then bottom line it's a mike judge movie oh, so jennifer aniston maybe being the exception there yep yep and i'm a big fan well uh, we discussed it in our tv episode of beavis and butthead so yeah. um this isn't the same type of humor but it comes from the same person so well i i have to agree that 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 movie is is a classic for sure and being a person that has been in that type of an office environment it's while it's not it's an exaggeration to a certain extent yep uh it still definitely hits the the numbers pretty hard and that same dream that most of us have had. It's like, well, I'm just going to not care and see what happens. <laughs> That's so fantastic. Uh, I, I definitely love that movie. So, okay. That's a solid number eight. Yeah, that's... I don't think there's much to, to speak about yeah. in that one. There's there's a lot of memorable lines. There's a lot of, you know, the stapler. Um, <laughs> you know, like, so there's, there's a lot of, I think, memorable things from that movie that just fit the pattern that we've been doing so far. So. Uh, uh, was it NWA that they were listening to where they're beating the heck out of the printer? 
Was it NWA? It was something like that if it wasn't NWA. I don't remember. It, it was it was pretty hardcore, at least for the time. For the time, yeah. Um, all right, well, my number eight is not, not quite so much a parody of The Office Life. Instead, my number eight is a parody of The Fantasy Life. Hmm. Um, you can't think of comedy, I don't think, realistically, and not think of... Monty Python, which you somewhat guessed I would have something Monty Python related on my list. And you were correct. Uh, specifically, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. That movie is fantastic. It, it was a really hard choice because Life of Brian is really good. They're all pretty pretty fantastic. But in my heart, the Holy Grail is, is the one that holds that spot. The whole ridiculousness of the Black Knight that uh, won't leave the tiny babbling brook. <laughs> None shall pass. Uh, if, you, if you're not familiar with Monty Python, you might know the name John Cleese. And if you're not familiar with Monty Python, I might want to reach through the microphone and strangle you slightly. Uh, go learn about them if you don't know them immediately. Um, but uh, John, John Cleese is fantastic. One of my favorite uh, comedy uh actors and he's he's got this this dry wit that comes through and silliness that can be there at the same time graham chapman when he was still alive was just so again that relatable factor you kind of kind of had something that you could see and it's like oh that that could be somebody that i know somebody that i liked as the uh, King Arthur, well, they all played multiple characters, so I mean, you can't yeah. really do anything of that. Eric Idle, Terry, uh, Terry Gilliam, uh, Terry Jones, Michael Palin, but even Connie Booth and Carol Cleveland, they had great parts in that film, and it was just, it was so ridiculous. The whole concept, they couldn't get horses or it was too expensive or something, coconuts. That right there, that just, that small thing, created a niche that will forever be remembered. Now, I can honestly say, on that movie, I've never watched it front to back. Oh. Might be blaspheming here, oh. but I've tried. That's I've, painful. I've, I've tried. I've tried to watch it. I just can't get into it. And not to be, it just didn't draw my attention. When I watch some of the bits that are like the highlights from the movie, when they're fighting and they, like, they chop off an arm and then they chop off an arm and they chop off a leg and they chop off a like. Well, things are funny, but like the the thing as a whole, I just I couldn't get I could just find myself like daydreaming, wondering as I'm watching the movie. <laughs> and then I try I've tried with um, maybe not the life of Brian. What's the other one where they're in? Um, gosh, a classroom setting is that? That's not the life of well, Brian. No, no, the classroom setting is part of um, uh, Monty Python's not the Flying Circus, but uh, it, it's their other. It's their other big one. Yeah, I, I can't. I'm spacing. I feel terrible now because I should know this. I just watched it maybe a few months ago. That had, that starts out with the fantastic beginning where they're in the office building that turns into a pirate ship. Yes, and I've tried. I just like <laughs> yeah. I get why people think this is funny. It's just not funny to me. Oh, so. oh killing me, man. I've tried. All right. Well, what's funny to you? Okay, so what's funny to me is another, once again, you know, I, I, we've kind of talked about my style of humor when it comes to these movies. Uh, on, on mine is dumb, uh, dumb and Dumber. 
That did not even get consideration on my list. Yeah. So that one, that one, so I, I've always been, for the most part, a big Jim Carrey fan. Yeah. You know, um, and it's not necessarily him in the movie per se, although he's amazing in the movie. It's just the, the play between everybody in the movie. How absurd everything is in the movie, how foolish everything is in the movie, the plot in the movie, just just the, the dumb st- It's so dumb that it's really funny to me. Uh, I've, I've the, not known too many people that are too similar. It's, it's less funny and more depressing for me. The, when he's pet, petting the bird and there's just a whole bunch of tape around the bird. And it's like, pretty bird, pretty bird. Remember that? You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I, I remember. Uh, I, I watched through it dutifully because I do like Jim Carrey and pretty much anything. This is one of those few exceptions that I just, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Yeah, I, oh gosh, there's just so many, there's just so many scenes in the movie, like, when he's, when they're looking at the, the, the phone booth to find the name of the person, and he's like, Swami, Swanson, look in the briefcase, Samsonite, I was way off, <laughs> just the whole thing that is, that part was funny, I don't know, they're, they're like, so the plot's so absurd in it that, it's it's really it's really the actors and how they take the absurdity of everything and play so well off of each other that just makes it a really good movie. Well, I can see why it's popular. It's one of those things that we we have conversations regularly when we're talking about music or something else where I can recognize the greatness or recognize the appeal of certain things without actually liking it myself. Well, wasn't so of the the, the Farrelly brothers, wasn't this was one of their earlier ones? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So this was not th- the leaping, like the the stepping stone. But this was one of the first ones that kind of got them to get more money and make more movies, which is so, a good thing. Yeah, I'll definitely go with that. Um, so let's go with something a little sillier, because obviously, if I like the Holy Grail, I obviously like silly. So my seven pick is also very silly. From 1985, Clue. Hmm. I mean, you've got an amazing cast. Cast is really good. Eileen Brennan, Tim Curry, Madeline Kahn, Christopher Lloyd, Michael McKean, Martin Mull, Leslie Ann Warren, Colin Kemp, Yvette. Which, again, talking about early crushes when I was younger and saw it, Yvette was... Kind of one of those things that you notice. The bee's knees? Yeah, but as goofy as this, they they each share the spotlight so well and mesh so well. The, the writing is slick. The lines are just spot on. They're able to kind of personify these ridiculous characters. And the whole concept of a movie that's released with a different ending depending upon where you watched it geographically. That in and of itself is funny on its own. A kind of a almost a joke within a joke. Yeah. That's that's pretty that's pretty ingenious. And especially at the time when 
Like nowadays, that's easy to do because it's just a hard drive. It's a digital copy of a movie. Yeah. Then it's, you know, your sixth reel of that movie is different when you ship it to all these different things. And you got to make sure that everybody's putting that thing together appropriately, which should be easy to do. But I could see t- I could see complications with it. Yeah, I I just I just loved it, and uh, and I anytime that movie would come on TV, I would immediately stop whatever it was I was doing. I at least have to watch it for a little while, even if I couldn't watch the whole thing. It would it was it is one of my favorites to this day. And uh, Michael McKean, especially, I am a big fan of his as an actor, and he has such range and. I nearly considered one of his other films for this top ten being uh, Spinal Tap, but it didn't quite, did not quite make the cut. I'm wondering how many Canadians you have on your list. <laughs> you will find out. Mm-hmm. Is it my turn? It's my turn. It's it is turn. your turn. It is your turn. Okay, so I think this one is. Mm, is this the most? This one might be one of the most recent. There's like two that are more recent on my list. Uh, number six, I have Step Brothers. Huh. I I considered considering that one. Well, so the thing the thing about this movie is once again I'll go back to the main actors that are in this movie. Everything's pretty stupid, right? And but it's just how they present that stupid and okay. how they play off of each other. Um, and Will Ferrell is, in our generation, you know, his even the movies that are awful are funny. Even yeah. the movies that bomb are still funny to an extent. Um, once again, I'll go back to it. He was kind of my the tail end of my SNL generational watching uh, of... I don't really watch SNL anymore. But um, when I did watch it, I watched it a lot. And he obviously was one of the main characters towards the end of my watching of that movie. About that show, so. that that I have to agree. The uh, Riley was it, um, but uh, Will Ferrell, uh, the two of them, they they are gold together in pretty much anything. Yeah, and that movie is so funny. Well, and the thing about that movie, there's this there's a stretch, and I I've had I, I haven't had them in a little while, but I've had the movie movie channels where you can just go and. Sometimes you just brainwashes away because like, oh, I'll watch that movie. Don't watch. Well, they had Step Brothers on one of them, and it. I mean, literally every time I would sit down, the timing of it would be that that movie was on, and I would just sit and watch it. And I probably did that for a good six weeks straight, just because <laughs> the movie is so stinking funny. And uh, those around me got incredibly annoyed by that. I have one other one on my list. On my runners-up list, that I did that too as well. But but this one, I, once again, I'll just go back to the main characters. And even when you look at the side characters and how they do their parts, both big and small, I I, I just it's killer, man. Like that, it's just so it's so absurd that it's funny. It, it it goes back to the Dumb and Dumber, but more. I think it's more relatable. More relatable, yes, yes. Um, and, and the setting of it seems different, you know. Well, it is different. Well, definitely. Well, it, it, it has that kind of it has that kind of niceness about the as ridiculous as it is that kind of blending of families. And underneath it all, if you take away the 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 ridiculous levels, it is that kind of sibling rivalry, trying to get used to each other, 
and realizing that you actually kind of like each other after just, you know, that initial period is over. That's really kind of nice to have as an underlying theme. And you generally see that in 16-year-olds, maybe 12-year-olds, not 40-year-olds. Yeah, that, that is m- true. makes it even funnier, yes. especially the scene where he's like, don't touch my drum set. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one I always think yeah, of. Yeah, that's one of the many scenes that are in that one. Okay. Uh, that's a good one. Well, let's go back into the past a little bit again. I have another one. A lot of mine happened into the... I'm sure we're both similar in the 80s and 90s. A lot of our favorites hit. But uh, the next one I've got is, I think, one that should be on everybody's top 10 list somewhere. It's, it's kind of... I feel almost like it's a requirement. But in uh, 1988, my number six... Coming to America, well, Eddie Murphy. Yeah, I mean, because he—that was his—that was his heyday. I mean, he could not touch something that wasn't successful and funny, and classic in some way, shape, or form. And well, you know, I think it, the Forty Eight Hours movies; th- those were, yeah. The, the idea with those was that those were more of like the serious movie. But they were funny. Like they had, they yeah. had funny parts in them, you know. Yeah. And then they said, "Well, what about you know, take away the serious and just have him be a cop?" And the Beverly Hills Cop stuff was just solid. Golden Child was during that period. I mean, it it was it was just all gold. And the fact that you've got somebody that is just fantastic at his best with Eddie Murphy, and you've got Arsenio Hall, who is inherently funny too, but at least in my mindset, always does better when he has somebody really good to work off of. Yeah. And then you give him the best to work off of with a really solid script. And then you surround them with what? James Earl Jones? <laughs> I mean, come on. You can't... You get a little Cuba Gooding in there. You get an early Sam Jackson in mm-hmm. there. I mean, just, oh, it's crazy. You, you even had like Louis Anderson when he was funny. I probably shouldn't have said that because he's... Still around, and I would love to talk to him at some point. But this was before his game show days, where I he didn't really do stuff anymore. <laughs> like the, the first place that I knew of Louis Anderson was he had a cartoon that was on, yeah, and it was basically he was playing the fat kid going to a fat camp, and that was yeah. it was a cartoon about that. Yes, and that's my Louis Anderson exposure. Right there. His stand-up was solid. And he hasn't, to my knowledge, done stand-up in some time. His movies, with the exception of his small part in this, they never really did great. No. His TV career only really blossomed when he hosted uh, Family Feud. And it's just, it, it's it's unfortunate. Because, like I said, I always thought he was pretty funny. But uh, you got Eric LaSalle in there. Oh, yeah. As, uh, as Daryl. Before, before his ER days. Right? I mean, just just crazy. You got Allison Dean after the Cosby show. I mean, it's just uh, John Amos as the, the father of the love interest. It's just, he's great in everything. Just just a fantastic cast. I mean, and, and the plot is funny. And the fact that there is a call back to coming, or coming to America, call back to trading places in it, that was just so much fun on top of everything else. So I just, I love that movie. Yeah, that that one is um, easy to watch. Even today. Like, even though it's technically, you know, really old now. What, 30? Is that, gosh, 30 years old? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that one, 
Yeah. Obviously, when you come to America and things are way different now than what they were then, but it's still, I think it's still funny right now. Like, it's still relatable. There's going to be a sequel. I've heard they've been fighting for it for a while, so. There's going to be. It's going to happen. We'll see. Okay, so where where are we at now? We're at number five? We are on number five for you, sir. Okay, so um, going back to another uh, Will Ferrell, uh, Anchorman. I thought about that one. Yep. Uh, that one, so gosh, uh, that one, I, I was still working at the movie theaters when that movie came out, and nobody was really going to see that movie in the theater. Like, it, it didn't... It, it didn't really have a lot of initial momentum in the movie theater. But gosh, every time I saw people coming out of that movie theater, they were just like, like that was, they were laughing. Like it was one of the funniest movies that they'd seen. So I, we, we went to see it and there wasn't many people around me. And that thing, it was just so stinking funny. Like the, a lot of these comedies, I feel like, the writing is is great for him. The directing is good, but the cast. When you put the cast together and you look at who this cast is for this movie, which is amazing, just an amazing amalgamation uh, amalgamation of comedy talents. The second one, eh, not so much, but the first one, this one, whoo, my gosh, like it's it's so funny, and you know Steve Carell in this movie, who is just like. What a fourth string character in this, but a main character? Yeah. It just like almost steals the show every scene that he's in. Going back to the scenes that you really remember. I mean, there's so many. The grenade? The the grenade. <laughs> just yelling. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that scene, they're just all sitting together and they're like, that escalated quite quickly. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I know. He's like, what what do you say about like I, I killed a guy? We're like, no, they say he killed a guy. It's like, yeah, I killed a guy. I don't know. It's, it's Sex Panther. Sex Panther. Yeah, sixty percent of the time it works every time. <laughs> I mean that that's just a classic, a classic <laughs> line that I think everybody uses today still. Yeah, that's kind of an amazing film. Some jazz flute, maybe. You know, there's just there's so many elements, and the character that he has built and put into it is just like when you see him appear as that character elsewhere. It's still funny, even though it's not funny, because a lot of times when he's that character, like doing an ESPN thing, because he's done that, or yes. he's hosting news, like it's not funny. It really isn't. But he's the character. He's the character. He like he is the character. That's goes back goes back to the people in these funny movies. I think it's kind of meta in some ways. Yeah, yeah. But uh, okay, so you went forward in time. I'm going to go backward in time. I'm going to go back to 1983. And in fact, I referenced this movie in the last movie that we that I just had on my list. I felt it was so good, I kind of had to put it on there, Trading Places. Hmm. That is another movie that anytime it comes on, I will watch it. It is one of my favorite holiday movies uh, as far as it can be considered a holiday movie. Sure. It happens during the holidays, kind of the same way that Die Hard is a holiday movie. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, I mean, come on. You got Dan Aykroyd with, again, Eddie Murphy at his best. You've got Dean Holm Elliott, who is just a gem in anything he's in as the, the Butler Coleman. He's just, 
He's, he's got that kind of expressive face that you know exactly what he's yeah. thinking whenever he does anything. Uh, you got Ralph Bellamy as, as Randolph Duke and Don Amici as Mortimer Duke. Of course, Jamie Lee Curtis when she was still just white hot off of uh, off of her career. Uh, Paul Gleason as Beeks, who is if you're not completely familiar, you know, look Breakfast Club, the the principal in that. And you've got Jim Belushi, who you know can get love or hate depending upon who is uh, talking about him. It's true. The same thing with Al Franken; he's in it. I mean, it's just. Uh, Giancarlo Esposito is in it. Most people don't think about that one. Uh, and this guy, I mean, this is earlier in his career, but another just an actor you don't think of for comedy in a comedy film, and it's a very small part, but he, he I mean, you know, if you don't know who that is, Breaking Bad, you know, uh, the, <laughs> the fried chicken man, basically. Um, so you got this ridiculous plot based off of off of a bet for a dollar. You got the, the, the scene with the Santa costume. You've got the, uh, the scene on the train where they're all dressed in the co- their own costumes. I mean, it's just who, oh, it's, it's so good. It's so funny, and it still has a lot of heart in it, too. You know, I think what we've also noticed here in our, some of our the most recent picks is the director is the same director. Right. Yeah. So you have two of the same directors, and actually, so do I, and Step Brothers and uh, Anchorman. So, yeah. um, the actors may be similar. Well, it's actually the same actors too. So it, it it all goes hand in hand, right? So we've talked about. I've mentioned the cast a whole bunch of times, but then you know, there's got to be someone behind the camera pulling the strings too. So oh yeah. But we got some good, a good pair of some. Some hot items at the right times for, I think, our pairs of movies. <sighs> yeah. All right. So what's your, uh, <laughs> what's your number four? Onward and forward. Okay. So this one, this one isn't your prototypical movie, let's call it. And this one has another asterisk around it, too, because it's a family of movies, but I'm going to focus primarily on the first one, okay. which is Jackass. Mm. Not even close to consideration for my list. Oh my gosh! The the when we went to watch this movie in the movie theater, like I I don't I'm not the person to laugh out loud at things. I, I just don't have like a vocal laugh at a lot of things. That one I laughed hard at a lot of stuff in that movie because it's just I always watched the TV show. And then to watch the the movie to do even more things that you couldn't do uh, on the TV show. Just absolutely hilarious. And then go and watch the extended versions or the things that didn't actually make the final cut. And it's just comedy, to me, comedy gold. Like the, it's, it is scripted, right? Because they do plan these things out ahead yeah. of time. But it's just so. Oh my it's gosh, scripted, but there's no plot. There's no characters past the fact that there are these people that don't get me wrong. I like the guys. Uh, they have personality. And they've got charisma. But if you have me watch, and I have watched uh, several of the television show uh, bits, and I I didn't even bother with the movie because 
I would sit and I would not laugh once because it was just, it, it came across as stupid people doing stupid crap. Exactly. And that just to me is never going to tickle my funny bone. It's, it's just like, uh, just do it somewhere else. No. So this is, to me, comedy, comedy gold. And it has elevated a career of at least one person that was in there, mm. you know. So the rest of the people are still, they're, they're not uh, relevant, I guess, would be the term. I Talking guess. about Knoxville. Yeah. The group of, yeah. Um, but gosh, I like I said, I, I don't do a lot of laugh out loud type stuff. But in that movie, I was... So I was hardcore cracking up because that – I went back to what I mentioned at the beginning of the list, like the toilet humor type stuff. That That is almost the epitome of just toilet humor. But like people doing things to themselves that you shouldn't be doing, right? Um, or doing – or the idea of digging up things and then the reaction for the things that they do to themselves is just, to me, it's just so funny. It's, it just seems like a very long and bad episode of America's Funniest Home Videos, which is another thing I could watch and not laugh. <laughs> I just it, Well, America's Funniest Home Videos, they always do some type of commentary on the video. just just ruins everything. No commentary on this one. Just them, like, even the simplest things where they're sit, all sitting around in a room and they've got a manila envelope and they're giving themselves paper cuts in the webbing of their fingers and their toes or the their mouth. Why yeah. is that funny to me? I don't know. I'm yeah. cracking up thinking about it right now. Yeah, I, I, I got to admit, it just, just does nothing for me. I just, I don't get it. Yeah, I could watch those all day. Okay, so past the ridiculousness, um, on to your number four. Well, let's go a little little more current. You, you had something a little more current with Jackass there. I also have on my number four something a little more current. Um, talking about toilet humor, there's certainly a certain level of that in this particular film, and and I love it. It's another one that I can kind of watch anytime. Um, 2005, Wedding Crashers. Mm. Uh, I, I love that film. You got Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn who are both just naturally funny, not not comedians, but as comedic actors go, I, I will watch either of them in any of, any film and be entertained. And a sneaky little scene with Will Ferrell in there, too. Yes, yes. Will Ferrell makes most things better. Um, now, here's a little bit of trivia. Do you remember the beginning scene of Wedding Crashers? So... They're at a wedding. No. Very first scene. Uh, Are they in the office? They're arbitrating a divorce. Yes. And that's, um, there's a country singer. Yes. Is one of the people. Uh, that's right. And then the other one is, oh gosh, she's um, an act, like a very famous, popular Rebecca actress. Rebecca DeMornay. Rebecca DeMornay, yes. And Dwight Yoakam. Yes, that's what it was, yeah. Now, Rebecca DeMornay has been in Lucifer, and she um, she is in Jessica Jones as Jessica Jones's mom. Yes. Yep. Or, well, sort of. So, yeah, adopted, adopted mom. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you got Jane Seymour in there, Bradley Cooper. Uh, the, the, the awful boyfriend. Boyfriend, yep. 
<laughs> Ilsa Fisher, Rachel McAdams, Christopher Walken. I mean, again, just a fantastic... I'm, I'm leaving people out. That entire cast is just really, really good. And, uh, yeah, that there is not a scene in that that I don't laugh at. I, I, in looking and doing some research to get some ideas, there was, there was that one and the, uh, old, old school Mm. were a couple of them that I was, uh, pondering at putting in the, in the list because I like those movies. I enjoy, I enjoy the humor aspect of them and going back to, you know, the toilet humor which this is low-level toilet humor, but yeah. it still is. Um, but you're right. Like, they play so well off each other. And the idea of the actual movie is mildly absurd. Yeah. But that's, I mean, it's, it's in the name of the movie. So yes. Yes. It's, Not much to it. Yeah. Pretty funny. I like that movie. Okay. So we're on to number three. Number three. We're in the top three. Okay. So, um kind of falling in line with my last pick here is one that actually is scripted but not your traditional movie um, i'm preparing to groan okay what is it uh borat oh no okay i can get that yeah that had some very very funny parts and is naturally funny because of how it made people react to it yes that extra level that is kind of fantastic where people will get offended at some of the stupidest stuff and that is the punchline, and everybody misses it. Well, not everybody, but a lot of people miss it. Yes, just the the ignorance of people, or the absurdity of people, and what how they think or act is mind boggling. And this just exposes that, right? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> just the scenes that I can picture in my head for this one, and and some of it had nothing to do with him going to places. You know, like him and his his uh, person that he's doing the traveling with when they're wrestling on the on the bed. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's really funny. But just the whole the whole concept of him being the person where he's from, and his and how he acts and treats people where he's at, and then comes to here comes to the United States as quote an ignorant person trying to learn about things and then trying to meet. Oh gosh, it's so funny, and and people who he gets on tape, and they they agree, they sign off on whatever they do, and it's yep. just oh god, it's so it's so funny. Like to this day, um, and I've had my I've had my Xbox Live account for fifteen years. I have the same symbol now, like my my uh, my little. Picture my not my avatar, but my picture of my symbol that's next to my Xbox Live account name is actually the picture of Borat standing on the beach with his thumbs up, and then the the, the speedo, the speedo, the the green speedo. So I, I've I've stuck with it for quite some time. It's just a if you haven't seen the movie, you've got to go. You've got to go into it. Just I don't know with what type of expectation going into it. If you've heard about some of the other things that he's done, you've got right? to mentally relax. Yes, basically, you cannot you cannot go in with any sort of judgment. It, you just have to see it and see the reactions, and then you have a chance to find it funny. Not everybody's going to. No, um, he and he's had future projects that are different characters, 
right? Yeah. But like similar... Bruno, the dictator. Yes. Though he's got a surprising range. He can do drama. Oh, he yeah. He can do... Talladega tr- Nights. <laughs> well, not so much that, but <laughs> but he can do more silly comedies like that as well. Yep. I mean, um, it's it's kind of easy. He's very, very talented. I mean, I don't know if people give him enough enough credit for that. Plus, Mary Delsa Fisher. That's true. <laughs> Now, that is true. Side note: Did you hear specifically about considering Borat? Did you hear about what happened? I think was it at the Olympics or just at some some sporting event? I don't remember. The, I think it was at the Olympics. I could be misremembering this, but uh, a member of uh, of a Kazakhstan team won a medal, and whoever was in the booth prepping the music played the music from Borat. Ooh, hilarious. <laughs> oh, man, I still... How awful must that person have felt? But that's so funny, just, just not paying attention. They said Kazakhstan, National Anthem, didn't check it. No. Just played it through. Oh, my word. That was awful. And But see, and the thing is that that made sense and... Two people, and it made them laugh at the same time. Yeah. Right? Because, like, it's not just... It, it's basically him making fun of America. Yes. It really is what it is. So that should be just... Everybody else in the rest of the world should love this movie. Like, if you haven't if you haven't seen it, I would suggest sitting down watching this movie. It's, it is very funny. All right. So we'll go back to 1993 for my number three pick. Mm. This is a film that I have probably seen going on 60 or 70 times mm. pretty pretty easily. And it has our person that we want to consider to be a friend, but may just be somebody we've talked to Ooh. in it, Mr. Tobolowski. What film do you think it might be, Richard? Does it have an animal in it? It does have an animal in it. Yes. Is does it take place over ten thousand years? Depending upon who you ask. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Groundhog Day. I. It's that's this is one of those things that's kind of could be considered uh, not quite a comedy. Just has comedic elements. It's more of a drama. But I can't help it. It's it's got way too many too many funny bits in it. I mean, you're going to have Bill Murray in it. It's going to have a lot of funny bits in it. And it's it's just a fantastic film that that uh, has so many layers that you can peel and, and just get something new every time. Well, how how many how many movies, how many things out there have actually changed your perception of something nonsensical like a holiday? Yeah, like when you think when you reference just the word Groundhog's Day. Every like everybody's reference for that phrase is not that holiday. It's something that repeats over and over again, right? Like like yeah. that is your interpretation of that phrase of the, of that meaning, not not the actual holiday anymore. Like that's that's kind of astounding. That's astounding. Yes, something that's grown so larger than life. And I could I can almost quote. Well, there's no almost about. It. I can still quote sections of the movie off, and it's it's really great. I mean, man, I miss Harold Ramis. I mean, just that 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 dude was 
stunningly good at what he did and then surrounded himself with people that could really pull things off. I mean, well, a great example would be like Chris Elliott's in that movie. Chris Elliott is very much a love-or-hate kind of actor in any movie he's in. Cabin Boy? Is kind of on the hate side for me. I, I despise that film. It was just like a cheese grater over my brain. David Letterman shows up. Uh, what do you want? Uh, what are them uh, fancy lads? Oh man, it's just bad. But in this, you can't help but love him. And he's just just the way it's written and the way that everybody plays off of each other. Um, and just the small bits too. I mean, it, it's I I don't know. There's no, I will go on and on about this film. I'm going to have to stop myself from doing that. But mm-hmm. the, the going on to the railroad tracks, that particular part of the scene where he... Something that should be both terrifying and, and sad in him killing himself over and over and over just to see if it'll take also has that comedic aspect to it. And it's just... Because of who's because of who is actually doing it, right? Yeah, and the way it's framed. Yep, it's it's fantastic. Yes, very good, good choice. Um, okay, so now we're we have two more, right? We haven't crossed over at all yet, which is pretty amazing. No, not not a bit. Now um, I feel like we've had some you know, simple, like See, a lot of yours have a different setting than mine. Mine are more. I haven't dabbled into the eighties, right? I am yeah. more in the 90s, 2000s. We're just, we have a shift. Yeah. Um, okay, so here's another one that's a little bit more, well, is it, you know, it's, it's about, it's, gosh, it's, I bet it's about 10 years old this time. Um, Team America, World Police. Oh, I thought about that one. That yeah. one is very funny. Yes, just the concept that they made this whole movie in which they hired puppeteers to do, you know, <laughs> two, three foot tall puppets to do the entire movie. That by itself takes this movie to another level. And just if you like if you like South Park, and I feel like a lot of people do, this just if you like that one, this just amps it up. Yes, I feel like just flavor but more. Just oh my gosh. The the fact that they do their own songs for the, like they they made they wrote the, they had the soundtracks for all these little things and how they interject songs with that soundtrack throughout the movie is just so good so funny yeah. and they they've they've had they had to cut out parts of this movie so they could get an R rating like. That's how over the top they took this movie. Puppet sex scene. Yes. Yes. It's just kind of ridiculous. <laughs> and and once again, like this is this is a movie that basically makes fun of America, right? Like that's the underlying tone of this is the ridiculousness of a lot of things. Yeah. Um, but also kind of... Uh, it celebrates it, too. Celebrates it, and then also takes on a little bit of the notion of a celebrity mm-hmm. to a bit as well. Uh, yeah. Eric Bowie, you know. <laughs> uh, the Film Actors Guild, you know. So, like, it... 
the whole movie is raunchy. You could not release this movie today. No. It would get lambasted and just torn apart. Just get annihilated today. There would be too many groups that would be all offended by too many things. Yep. And even at the time, I felt like they... It got some pushback. Got some pushback. But if you haven't seen this movie, don't watch it around your kids. No. And... Or your parents. If you are sensitive to anything in the world at all, then don't watch this movie either because it's it offends everybody, I feel like. It's it tries e- to be equal. Equally offensive to every type of group across the world, across conformity. So, like, um, it's you, you've got you, <laughs> to watch this movie and know that it's not taking itself seriously. And, well, and how it's, can it? It's, it's just... It's puppets, exactly. Like that's the, the the first thing. It's it's puppets. So if you go into this movie and you get offended because you see puppets saying things, then I don't know. Uh, anyway, so you do want to con- reconsider your life uh, choices. Life choices, yes. So it, once again, very funny movie, and the soundtrack for this movie is hilarious in my in my opinion. So yeah, yeah. it all all written by Trey Parker and Matt Stone. So. Yeah, they they are impressive. Yeah. All right, so my number two, number um, two. does not have puppets. Mm. Uh, what it does have is one of the most fantastic uses of profanity in in a short but very very furious. Manner. I, I can't even describe it well enough. It's just so fantastic. Um, Steve Martin, John Candy, planes, trains, and automobiles. Mm, yes, love your Canadians. <laughs> I. It, it just happens to be that there are some really great actors that happen to come from Canada. Mm-hmm. Hey, I have a Canadian Canadians. on my list too. So yeah, I mean, but it's. I, I I can't I watch this as another one I will watch it every year around the holidays just because it is it has both comedy and it has again heart heart yep and just the, the idea of being able to bond with somebody in a in an awful situation and be able to laugh at yourself and the way that you see the world and be able to have that put in front of you and have you be able to just kind of see it for what it is and take a step back and reconsider. And the it, it the star studded too. I mean, you got Kevin Bacon at the very beginning of the film that that chase down for the cab where they're trying to trying to get out of town before everything you know, gets just locked up and they can't go anywhere. You got Michael McKean again mm-hmm. as as a police officer that pulls him down. Uh uh, do you know why I pulled you over? It's like, uh, I don't know. What's wrong? It's like, do you feel this car is roadworthy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we sure do. It's like, we don't have a functioning gauge, uh, but the uh, radio clears a bell. <laughs> I, there is, again, not a scene in that where I do not bust out laughing every time. It is, it is a classic, once again, from its era. Right. Yes. And I, you know, I don't know that it that people have the same appreciation for that one, maybe as as maybe some of the other ones. Possibly. Um, 
I could be wrong, right? Like they're talking about doing a Ghostbusters sequel. Yeah. Um, Groundhog Day. Uh, we talked about how it's changed vocabulary. Um, the Eddie Murphy movies. I feel like you know, like they're working on doing a, a sequel, like you said, for yeah, for some of the so. But this one just flies more under the radar. Not under the radar, but like more under the radar. Well, I think part of the problem, particularly with this movie, is it's tied up so much in the two leads. I mean, Steve Martin, again, he that was kind of at the height of, well, he had a, he had a long height. But that was mm-hmm. during the period of, of his height uh, of popularity. But John Candy was one of a kind. He always had a height. Yeah, he did not have a downside. Even his films that were not good were good. And I don't know of a current actor that could do the same thing that John Candy could do. The closest I could get, just if I had to cast that particular character again in a current film, maybe Jonah Hill. Yeah, because he can show um, his absurd side and yeah. his serious side. Um, you know, Wolf of Wall Street was a good example of what he could do that people think thought that he couldn't do. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Um, and he he thought he knew he could do it. He wanted to do it so bad that he basically just got paid the the minimum for that movie, right? Um, he said all cuz you, when you're part of the Screen Actors Guild or whatever, you can you, you have to make a certain amount of money. And there are other kind of small actors that were in, in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. One specific that I want to mention, anything she is in, she is funny, and she is always memorable. And that's Edie McClurk, who was the person that gets yelled at at the car rental agency. But she was also the secretary in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And you, you will always remember her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just, it's, she has that tone of voice. The voice, yes. Just so fantastic. So fantastic in everything. Okay, so now we're on to number one. But first. But first. um, We wanted to spout out some uh, honorable mentions. Absolutely. Right? So so I've got a few here that I just want to mention that I I had a hard time basically substituting one out of here. So, um... I'll just rattle them off here. So, forty-year-old virgin yeah. uh, was a really good one. Kind of in the same vein of some of the ones that you uh, like, uh, in the same era, genre type of uh, like Wedding Crashers. Yeah. Uh, Big Lebowski. Big Lebowski is uh, got so many layers in it. Yeah. And that movie is just uh, John Goodman just kills it in that movie, um, which he does in most movies. So I had that one. Napoleon Dynamite is really funny. Now, that was one that was one of them too where I worked in the movie theater and I no one want no one went to watch that movie and I went to watch and I was just cracking up and it it stuck in the movie theater because it just picked up momentum and momentum and people started to go and go and go and go. So it was one of the oddball ones where first couple of weeks it was out, no one went to see it and then 3 4 5 weeks in just started building up all these views. It was it was weird, silly, weird. Yeah, um, I hated that film. Uh, I mentioned that I watched uh, Step Brothers quite a bit. I had a stretch where I watched um, uh, Zohan. 
Zohan's an underrated funny movie. It I kind of really have. Is. I, I have. I, we didn't, none of us have an Adam Sandler movie on here per se. Right? Yeah. But um, a lot of the Adam Sandler movies, like Waterboy, Happy Gilmore, just kind of classic comedies. Yeah, those two were real close to being included. Um, Ace Ventura, like I said, I'm a big, um, big fan of that one, but not. Eh, the second one's good too. You know, I like the first one better. Yeah. Uh, South Park, bigger, longer, uncut. I considered it. That was briefly. funny. Um, Half Baked. Half Baked is really funny, and it should have been a lot funnier, but they had to tone it down. Yeah. So it is what it was. And the last one I had, another Farrelly Brothers one, was Kingpin. Yeah, that one's kind of underrated, too. That one's very funny and particularly gross in several spots. Yes, and we talked about Groundhog's Day, and they mentioned something similar to that in Kingpin where you got Munson. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> similar concept in that realm of the movie. So what were some of your... Um, Runners up, let's call it. I uh, I nearly included Caddyshack. I mean, classic golf movie, kind of the same way. The Happy Gilmore is it. always funny. Great cast, just kind of amazing. Uh, Christmas Story movie has to be very funny for me to watch it during a holiday um, for reasons I'm not going to go into. But uh, Blues Brothers. I nearly included uh, Young Frankenstein. I Blues Brothers was another. Uh, what was his name? John Mendes. Like you had two on your list directed by him. That's the third. <laughs> well, he was good. Yes. <laughs> um, Harold and Maude. Uh, way is. I mean, it's a cult film. A lot of people haven't seen it, but oh man, is it funny and just ridiculous. The 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 again. Not that suicide is necessarily funny on its own, but as it's presented in this particular film, the the, the fake suicides are really very funny. Stranger Than Fiction, which is my favorite film with, uh, uh, with uh, uh, our favorite actor that tends to show up in everything in it. Uh, you've got uh, National Lampoon's Vacation, oh, I consider putting on there. A little Chevy Chase there. Uh, hot Fuzz. Again, a film that I laugh every time I watch it. It's just so ridiculous. Yes. Um, Those guys are, they have, a, I think, a very good cult following. Is that an Edgar Wright yes. movie? Yeah. Okay. Um, Airplane. I mean, I mean, you can't, Leslie Nielsen, man. I mean, that. I was thinking, we didn't have any naked guns or anything like that on here. I, I nearly had that. Uh, Pink Panther Strikes Again. Uh, just uh, PCU, uh, League of Their Own, Girl Next Door, Animal House, American Wedding. I like American Pie, but American Wedding is my favorite in that series of films. Um, yeah, the Pie. Yeah, those are good. I like those movies. Kind of grew up on those movies. And of course, Clerks. I, that one very, very nearly edged its way onto the top ten list because I'm a big Kevin Smith fan. Might see a new. Um Sequel iteration of that coming up here soon. Yeah. All right. A lot of people will be excited. Uh, now, are you excited, listeners? We're going to hit the number one in only, you know, just over like an hour or so. Yeah. So this one, for me, if you've listened to any of our podcasts, you'd have an idea on what my number one movie is. <laughs> now, it's, mm. it is... Comedy per se, but it's not, I don't think, marketed as a comedy. I could be wrong. And not in the traditional sense. Not in the traditional sense. So um, uh, I mentioned Jim Carrey, right? Yeah. Um, 
and the best actor ever. Oh gosh, man! If this, uh, if it, if, if he wasn't in this movie, it could be the best <laughs> movie of all time. If he's not in this movie, it's not nearly as good as it is. Oh gosh. Uh, so yeah, my number one is uh, is Cable Guy. Uh, it's just, it just hits hits the spots right for me. I guess you could say. Um, I like. I said I like Jim Carrey. I don't like liar, liar Jim Carrey. Yeah, me neither. Um, some of those, oh god, they're just not, not that, not good. Um, but this one, his mannerisms and his lisps and his just everything are on point to me for this. So I don't know. I. Everything that I see in this movie, I can. I just feel like I know all the lines. I know everything in this movie. Um, well, Matthew Broderick's awful in the movie. He is fantastic. And it does have a little sample, a little snippet, a little hint. Jack Black makes an appearance in here. Yes. And he's got a Soundgarden t-shirt on. Which is fantastic. Yeah, so... Uh, it, they, they do play off each other well. It's just... That you don't Matthew like Broderick, that. yes, is just acting like a piece of styrofoam. But um, don't be ridiculous. He he does his part the way he should, and you should be grateful. I should be grateful because this could be a thousand out of thousand, but instead it's only nine hundred and ninety nine out of thousand. <laughs> so I, I I don't know. It just one. Of, it's just one of those movies I can watch over and over, kind of like you, like you said with Groundhog Day. Just like oh, yeah. you've watched it and watched it and watched it and watched it. It's just for me. It just clicks in all the right comedy buttons and the silliness and the absurdity to it. Um, even though it's kind of like a stalker movie, right? Like, oh yeah, something you should be it's like disturbing. It's in a, a lot disturbing of movie in in a sense, but it's just I don't know. It's just. Funny. Oh, no. I, don't, I don't know. Well, I think the reason it works so well is you're talking about Liar Liar being a Jim Carrey film that you don't like. I think that I think we have the same line for Jim Carrey, and that line is those movies where he goes spastic and never comes back are not good. But where you have the movies where he goes spastic but can rein it into normal for just a little while, like Cable Guy. I mean, he, he, he can almost act normal for a little while before he goes off the deep end. And that's, that's what gets you. That, that's able to give you that, that, that difference of flavor to, to, yeah. to play off of. Because without that, then the straight man that Broderick plays doesn't work. Straight cardboard man, yes. Stop it. Okay. Just so. because of that, we're going to go over to my number one now because he's he's defiling the the wonderful and Broadway sensation that is Matthew Broderick, who I still want to get on this show at some point, but yeah, maybe one day. Maybe one day. Um, my number one is uh, from a little earlier, and it's another '80s film, uh, but uh, Pretty in Pink. No, I like that one. It would never hit the top ten, not even top one hundred. But uh, uh, 1987, Princess Bride. Hmm. Yep. Yeah. You and you kind of. We were talking a little bit about this, and you're trying to guess what was going to be on my list, and you you had some and and missed others, but you know definitely you got to have Princess Bride. Talking about quotability, there there are 
50, 60 lines in this film that people still quote. There are jokes. There's a guy that got thrown off of a plane recently because he had a T-shirt that said, my name is Ninga Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. <laughs> and people didn't get it. And people didn't get it. I mean, come on. You got that, that Mandy Patinkin. You know, that's just fantastic. You know, oh, you know, there's a... There's a reference in some comedy about Mandy. Oh, is it uh, How I Met Your Mother? Mandy Patinkin. Old people love Mandy Patinkin, you know. But uh, I love Mandy Patinkin. He's he's uh, he did very well in that, as uh, uh, as did Andre the Giant and uh, Chris Sarandon as the Prince. Now, Chris Sarandon, I had already liked before this film because he was like in the Fright Night films in the '80s as the well in the first one anyway as as. Uh, the lead vampire, and he did so well <laughs> in that. As so cheesy, Christopher Guest as the Count, you know, the six-fingered man. I mean, Wallace Shawn, I still want to meet so badly. I mean, he, he's iconic as Vizzini. He he was in uh, Next, ne- not Next Generation, sorry, Deep Space Nine as the Grand Nagus. I still quote Grand Nagus and Vizzini all the time, just because. He has that voice, and he's so funny. Uh, a young Robin Wright, a young Fred Savage, and Peter Falk, uh, Peter Cook. I mean, how can you not remember the the scene where they're being forced into getting, uh, she's getting forced into being married. Mowith, a wonderful, <laughs> I can't even do it, the marble mouth kind of. It, it makes me giggle every single time. Billy Crystal. As 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 the sorcerer, the, the magician Max. Uh, I I there's nowhere to go but funny in that. I've still never seen that movie, and I still want to beat you about the head because of it. I may have to keep you here after recording and show you the film before you are allowed to leave. Yeah, it's not probably my. My wife's favorite, that's not true, but it's one of her favorite movies. And she gives me the same, like, how can you, how have you never seen this movie? Because it seems like it would be right, it's definitely right, right in my wheelhouse, but I've never watched it. It's kind of like with the Monty Python ones. Like, I've sat down and I've I've tried to watch it. Like, oh, it's on. Let me sit, let me see if I can just, you know, sit down and watch this, enjoy this. And I just get bored with it, so. Oh, oh, that's painful. But I think it's. I I, th- I think the problem is I'm too old for it now. Uh, you know what? Like 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 can't teach no dog new tricks. Or it's like when you get old, like back in my day, we listened to that music and that's what I liked. You know that type of stuff. So I'm kind of stuck in my ways when it comes to the, shoot the the shows that I watch and the and the music that I listen to. And I think had I watched that more, you know, 20 years ago, that I might have gotten into it, but. I don't know. I just it's still and and for comedy, it's got one of the best sword fights in any film ever. I mean, what comedy can say that? Hmm. Let's think of one. Can we? <laughs> um. No, I can't. May the Schwartz be with you. That no. was not a great sword fight. No, that was not. And, and truthfully, if you know anything about sword fighting, it's not entirely accurate, if that's the right wording. I mean, the, the, the things that they're talking about, some of them are real, some of them. But the, 
the way that it's presented is not entirely accurate. But you're going to get that with anything. Talking about liar, liar. That's not how uh, lawyers work either. I mean, it's just... It, it, but still, just the actual pre- presentation of the fight was so fantastic. Robin and Hood men in tights. Still not even close. It's it's. I I'm just trying to think of something. They even have a sword in the the closest, and it's definitely not a comedy. I mean, you go like to the Zorro films. You can you can get some pretty good sword fighting in there, but those are definitely not comedies. Hmm. Laughable, possibly, but not comedies. Yeah. Someday I'll sit down and watch it. Yeah, I'll get the rope. <laughs> I will attach you to a chair. Oh, so what do you think? As as listening to this, did this bring up some of your favorite films? Do you think that there was a glaring mistake that we made? We didn't include this really awesome film that should have been on there. We have forums. You should tell us. Yeah, there's there's so many that are out there, and I feel like even in my list of considerations or ones that didn't quite make the list, that there's so many more I could have put on the list. There's just, it's hard to narrow it down when you look at the scope of what are your 10 favorite comedy movies. And there's been comedies for 100 years, you know, so. We'll get people that'll shout, how could you not put Dr. Strangelove in there? I didn't think it was that funny. (laughs) Sorry. It it was all right. You know. What's the full title of that? Dr. Strangelove and the something about... How to win nuclear war or some such. It's something with a bomb or... Yeah, it, I, don't know. I watched it once and it was... Peter Sellers is funny. And it has some funny parts, but it was not like side-splittingly funny to me. No. 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 I think we got a good list. And you know what the other thing is? Every bit of our list was different. Yes. Like that was we, pretty impressive. Really. No, no overlaps in the ten. Um, really, no overlaps in the honorable mentions. Yeah, that's really crazy. Just complete separate. So, well, like I said, what's your favorite stuff? Ooh, yes. We also have the Twitter. We are at Real Pudding Guys. We're on Facebook at Pudding Guys. Give us some information. Let us see what you think. We are riveted. We want to know. What do our listeners find funny? And if there's a Twitter poll... Answer it. Answer the poll. <laughs> Interact with it, please. I, I, I feel like we're shouting into uh, shouting into the distance. Nobody's quite hearing us. I know everybody's busy. busy. We got stuff to do, things to do, but... Uh, I, I I need you to help me fight my depression <laughs> as I put out these contests and these lists. Please respond. I, I really want to know what you think. Yeah, takes 20 seconds. Absolutely. But until next time, we are your pudding guys. Uh, eat carefully. Mmm. And deliciously. Yes, absolutely. <laughs>